From the US Embassy in Dublin, this is The Diplomatic Pouch. I'm Dermot Keane from the Public Affairs Office. And I'm John B. Murphy. Welcome back. March is Women's History Month and we celebrate the contributions that women have made to history. US Secretary of State Anthony Blinken has emphasised that diversity and inclusion is a priority of the Biden administration. He says diversity and inclusion make us stronger, smarter, more creative and more innovative. We're delighted to be joined in this episode of the podcast by Irish-American Fanula O'Reilly. Fanula O'Reilly works in STEM, which is science, technology, engineering and math. She is a NASA datanaut and the director of Space Apps DC. But she is also a model, beauty pageant title holder and television correspondent for the daytime TV show Mission Unstoppable on CBS. She will explain to us what a datanaut is in a few moments. She was crowned Miss Universe Ireland in 2019, making her the first woman of colour to win the title and represent Ireland at the international competition. Wow, okay. Fanula certainly many strings to her bow, as you will hear during our interview. So we began by asking her about her upbringing. Well, so I I am a military brat, so I've lived and traveled to a lot of different countries growing up. And I'm one of six, so I have five sisters. I was born on a military base in Fort Knox, Kentucky. So my mother is African-American and my father is Irish from Dublin. And he joined the United States military uh, after starting his family with my mom. And that was our very first military base was Fort Knox, Kentucky, where I was born. And since then, we've been a very international family in that we've moved and lived all over the world. And uh, it wasn't until I even went to university that I had spent uh, more than three years in one place. So I'd say that uh, we're very much so an Irish American family culturally and in our experience um, living and traveling back and forth. Um, your father actually won uh, one of the visa lotteries at the time, was it, uh, to get over to the States? Yes, he did. He, he won the visa lottery and then he uh, went to San Francisco, which is where he met my mother. Uh, they were both kind of in the kind of punk 80s uh, era in San Francisco and they shared some interests and they wound up getting married and moving back to Ireland. Very good. And when did you uh, realize you were interested in science, maths, engineering, that whole STEM area? I was definitely a curious kid. I was a curious kid in that I I questioned a lot. Uh, I wanted to know how a lot of things worked. And when I think, you know, little girls come out and have those kinds of interests or some of those kinds of traits, um, it's great. But I don't think that often people used to say, well, she kind of has that trait. Maybe we should introduce her to science, technology, engineering, and math. So it wasn't until uh, I was in high school, I was 14 at the time, I had a maths teacher that he noticed that I was really good at math, it was my best subject, and he really wanted me to apply to this summer and summer math and science honors academy, which was being hosted at UC Berkeley in California every summer. And I 
like a typical teen, procrastinated and did not want to participate in this, but uh, he, he really uh, suggested that I should. And I'm so glad that he did because it changed so much for me. Going to that program every year until I was 18 years old, I learned about uh, uh, coding, uh, science topics and engineering topics that I, I never would have had access to. And the program itself, uh, it, it's intentional in that it wants to help level the playing field. So they targeted um, underrepresented groups um, in STEM industry. Uh, you're talking about women, um, people of color. So being a part of this program was amazing because I knew I had these interests, but it was never fostered in an intentional way. And it's one of the reasons why today I'm so passionate about um, working with young people, working with kids and going back into the community and making sure that young people have opportunities in education where they can see what the pathways are forward in a career in science, technology, engineering, or math. You're a NASA data knot. Can you tell us a little bit about what, what that is and, and how that works? Yes. So uh, NASA had a women in data initiative. Uh, NASA is trying to get more women into the fold. And the Data Knots program kind of um, was spurred because of this women in data initiative. So uh, a purpose of the program is to get more women uh, into data science and onto the data science track. Data science, um, it's a field of technology uh, where you're using a lot of data to be able to uh, elicit insights that are usable for other fields of science, uh, technology, and engineering. So when you think about NASA, we often think space, but also uh, NASA does a lot of work in the earth science field. Uh, but one instance of this, for example, um, satellites. NASA has been collecting loads of information from, uh, from the satellites that Earth for years and years and years. That's a lot of information and there's a lot of things that you can do with that. So uh, data science is one of the uh, fields of technology where we can figure out what's going on with this information and be able to provide that information to other engineers, other scientists, so that they can go further and create innovation. And um, so the data science program, the data knots program uh, with NASA, it started with that. And so we get to, we have gotten to work on really amazing uh, projects in data science um, using NASA's open data. Uh, and additionally, uh, we were encouraged to go out into the community and um, advocate on behalf of women and diversity in STEM. And, and that's something that I, I think I definitely uh, have taken to heart and, and I've focused a lot on in the last couple of years. Now, you almost didn't apply for the Data Not program. And you've talked in the past about how women often deselect themselves from careers. Tell us a little bit more about what you mean by that. Absolutely. I, I definitely suffered from a bit of imposter syndrome, which I think a lot of people can relate to. I was not one of those kids that grew up thinking I wanted to work in the space industry, but that's where I found myself. Uh, and it's incredibly motivating to be working in this kind of uh, field, but at the same time, it, it wasn't some big dream that I had growing up. It wasn't until a, a, a friend of mine, a peer that I went to university with, I went to the George Washington University in Washington DC where I studied systems engineering. Um, it was a peer of mine that 
was she introduced me to the program and she said, I think you should apply to this. It took me about a year to actually work up the nerve to apply because I simply did not think that this was going to be for me. And I think a lot of women, I've, I've seen statistics where uh, a lot of women, if they don't meet 100% of the requirements on a job listing, they will self-select out and they will uh, take themselves out of the opportunity uh, pool altogether. And that's something that women do more than men. And so I, I almost did that myself by not applying to the data arts program. And so I'm so glad that I did because it really did open up the doors for me. Um, and it gave me a lot of confidence and courage to continue the work that I'm passionate about. Now, science and fashion modeling are not two areas we usually associate with each other. So can you tell us a little bit more about your modeling career and how you became involved in that? Yeah, absolutely. It I started modeling when I was 19 years old professionally. I had wanted to work in fashion since I was a little girl. It was something that I absolutely loved. Uh, so when I was younger, when I was uh, in my teens, I would take part in uh, fashion shows at school. And I, I, you know, watched a lot of shows on television where, you know, the women were just so fabulous with their fashion. And when I first uh, got my uh, got scouted by an agency in uh, Italy, in Milan, for the very first time. I was uh, 19 years old and I signed a contract and I moved to Milan uh, by myself for the very first time. Um, and I was working uh, in the city and it was just an incredible experience. And since then, I, I've been able to travel all over the world, uh, being able to work in fashion. And it's something that I was very passionate about also, I definitely was aware that it was looked down upon to a certain degree to share these other interests that, that I had. I was balancing uh, going to school and then taking time off to work in fashion. And then I would go back to school and then I would balance doing the two because I really didn't want to have to choose between these two things. Uh, becoming an engineer, that was the very first thing that I wanted to do. That was the very first idea that I had where I knew I wanted to do that. And I didn't want to have to give that up uh, just to pursue uh, fashion and work in the, uh, the modeling business. So I, I balanced the two at the time, but I was very careful to separate um, my involvement in both industries. So when I was going to internships, I didn't tell people that I was also flying off to Milan or London or Paris. Uh, and I uh, similarly with my agents, I, I on social media, for example, I wasn't posting that I was in school um, and studying engineering. And one thing that actually helped me bridge the gap between those two things was pageantry. I had entered my very first pageant um, when I came back to university uh, my freshman year. I applied for the Miss Freshman pageant and I won a scholarship. And what was really great about the pageantry was that I had a platform that I got to uh, compete with. And I made my platform about women in STEM because I was having experiences even back in my university days where I realized being a black woman, being a woman of color, and it definitely, uh, I was aware of challenges that I didn't think that my male peers um, 
had also experienced. So even back then, I was I was uh, passionate about being able to speak up about the lack of women that are working in STEM industry and also the lack of people of color that are working in these industries. It definitely was not an easy road for me. And that's one thing that I, I do uh, like to share with uh, young students. You know, it's not just because I was able to get my engineering degree and, and now do these really awesome things that I love working with NASA. I, I wasn't perfect in school and I didn't always get, you know, super straight A's or anything like that. There definitely were challenges that I had to overcome. Um, but pageantry helped build that uh, that uh, the bridge between these two worlds. And the more I realized that people liked to see the authenticity of me sharing my story, um, being a woman working in STEM, and then so being a woman who has interests in beauty and fashion, I realized that people uh, were uh, very supportive of, of dynamic women that had multiple interests. And tell us then a little bit about representing Ireland. You were you, you were um, representing Ireland at the Miss Universe pageant. Yes, so I'm so delighted about being the first woman of color and the first black woman to represent Ireland at Miss Universe. And in 2019, I won the title of Miss Universe Ireland. And then later that year, I competed at Miss Universe. And it was an incredible experience to be able to represent uh, our country and, you know, on such an international stage. And it, I think that my story uh, resonated with a lot of young people that could relate to it because Ireland is more diverse than it ever has been before. And we do have an entire generation of young people who have the non-stereotypical or uh, a more modern um, Irish uh, background uh, that we're maybe used to hearing about. And so I think that me being able to use the platform to share my story, my experience as a woman of color who's also Irish, I think that that was a really, really great moment, not just for me, but for other people that could relate to it. You had uh, have grandparents and other family based here in Ireland and were they, uh, were they here for the night in 2019 when you were crowned Miss Universe Ireland? Yes, I, I was so delighted. I had 17 family members in the audience, both of my parents, um, all five of my sisters, my nieces, my grandmother. Uh, she lives in Sutton in North Dublin. Uh, my aunts, who also live in North Dublin, uh, several cousins. And together, there are 17 people. And I will say it was so amazing because it was maybe the first time that there were enough people as there are letters in my name, which there's 11 letters, Fanula, F-I-O-N-N-G-H-U-A-L-A. So what they did was they all sat in a row and they had these letters that would light up. And so when I was walking out on stage, I saw Fanula spelt out in lights in the crowd. And that was something I'll never forget because the support from my family was just unreal. And for them to all have been there and see me when it was honestly just one of probably the best moment of my life and then taking that to the world stage what was that experience like for you uh, taking that to the world stage that was an unforgettable experience it happened so quickly I I I, I wish that it, it went on for longer and um, but being able to represent uh, Ireland with so many countries I think 
there were 97 other countries that I was competing against. Uh, Miss USA, Chesley Prist was my roommate. And a great story about that is we actually kind of knew each other. Um, she ran track and field uh, with, with my sister on the university uh, team and her sister used to do my hair when I had been living in Washington DC. So it was, it was such an incredible way to meet so many women from all over the world that were doing really amazing things. Chesley, she's also a former lawyer and uh, there were so many women that had such incredible stories. So being able to be there representing Ireland and then also meeting all of these inspiring women was absolutely something that I will never forget. Because this episode is going to go out uh, just before Patrick's Day, um, can you tell us a little bit more about like what your Irish heritage might have meant to you growing up and also uh, what your house might have been like on Patrick's Day or your memories of Patrick's Day in the States as you were moving around? Well, it was it was hugely important, I think. Family has always been hugely important to, to us because we are so nomadic. My, my immediate family has been so nomadic. Um, having that connection uh, to Ireland uh, was so, so great for us. Uh, my mother's family in the States, it's very, very small. And even though um, it was my mother's family, I, I'd say we probably grew up a little bit um, more in touch with my father's family because it is so big and we were traveling and so and we also do have uh, quite a bit of family that has also traveled to other places around the world so I have cousins that that live in Spain and then I also have some cousins that live in uh, England so it was hugely important and it's also been really great because I just think that Irish culture was embraced in our family. Unfortunately, on my mother's side, uh, we don't know where her, her ancestors came from. And I do have that experience of having to, um, you know, uh, I guess dive into identity in that I do know where my ancestors came from on one side of, side of the aisle, but then on the other side of the aisle, we have no idea. And um, that is something that I think is complicated. It's something that complicates identity. Uh, a lot of African-Americans have that experience where they may not know where their ancestors came from or the history of their families. And, and so knowing that uh, we are 11th generation Dubliners specifically on my dad's side has been absolutely you know, um, a great experience to be able to dive into our culture in that way. Um, my grandfather, Thomas O'Reilly, he's a deputy, former deputy commissioner of the Garda. He has passed away um, a few years ago, but being able to have the, the history of, you know, uniformed men, I think it gave a great sense of identity, even in our family, um, knowing that I've come from a family that does care about and give back to the community. My father now has been in the U.S. military for almost 30 years, and he's a diplomat. He's um, a for he's a diplomat in Mozambique um, with the American embassy to uh, the host country. So I, I I think my family has had a lot of impact on me and a lot of the things that I aspire to do. And so all of my culture, being both a black woman, being American and Irish, I think that identity it, it is maybe a, a bit unusual when it comes to my family, but I think it's, it's very modern and, and a lot of people can probably relate to the complexities that I've shared. You mentioned earlier that you were the first woman of color 
to represent Ireland at, at the Miss Universe competition. Did you experience any form of racism? Was it something that you experienced growing up? I do think that I've, I've had quite a few experiences with racism, no matter where I've been um, all over the world. And I do think that it definitely is um, exacerbated by the history of racism in whichever country that you're in at the time. I have had um, passive aggressive, um, microaggressions, uh, instances of that, and then also instances of blatant racism. And I think that it's it's unfortunate, but more needs to be done about it. Um, the conversations around these things uh, need to be more prevalent. I was absolutely delighted um, last year in, in 2020, uh, there was a Black Lives Matter protest in Dublin that I took part in that was a result of the unfortunate death of George Floyd. And I was really happy to be a part of that protest because this was a situation that reverberated not just throughout the United States, but throughout the world. Because I think a lot of people recognized that racism is prevalent all, all over. And to have seen that Ireland uh, took place in this protest, and for the first time in my life that I've ever seen, uh, nationwide, there was national uh, coverage, but also national conversation about race in Ireland, which I, I've never, again, I've never seen that before. And even, you know, back to, back to my own family's experience, when I was just a little girl, my mom was the only black person around that you know we would see and now it's a different story in in ireland it's a different story in dublin you can walk down the street and you'll see all sorts of people of different backgrounds um but that was only a, a few a, a little over 20 years ago that that wasn't the story so i was so delighted that i was able to to speak up about my experiences speak up about racism what race means race relations and um, i was glad that ireland was having these conversations because again we are more diverse than ever before and i think we were challenging misconceptions that we've seen about what it means to be irish and we were being more inclusive than I've ever seen before. Is the election of uh, Vice President uh, Kamala Harris uh, important to you uh, and you think for the United States? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I do think that it's, it's absolutely important to me. And I think that it's so historic. This is the first time that we've seen a woman vice president, uh, a black woman vice president, an Asian woman vice president, all of the above. And it shows that any little girl can reach it to the highest levels of office in the United States, regardless what her political beliefs are or where you stand, whether you agree with her uh, on certain issues or not, I think it just opens the doors for all of us. And I think that that is why this is so important for so many of us. So um, this is Women's History Month. Who are the women uh, that have inspired you uh, throughout your life and career or continue to inspire you to this day? Well. That's such a great question because when I was a little girl, there were no women that I was profoundly inspired by because there simply weren't enough women that I could identify with, that I could see myself in and then say, I want to be just like her. I didn't really have that moment until Michelle Obama. 
became first lady in the United States. She absolutely is someone who I deeply admire and respect. Um, additionally, uh, uh, we just mentioned Kamala Harris, um, absolutely someone that inspires me. Uh, also Meghan Markle, I, I think she has really stood up for herself and in so many ways. And by doing so, I think she stood up for so many other women and has given permission to women to, to speak up and to share their voice and not be silenced. And I think that, that that's something that a lot of us could struggle with. And so for her to, to use her voice in, in the way that she has, I think is incredibly inspiring. And um, additionally, I, I would be remiss if I did not mention that Beyonce was an inspiration of mine. I think she's absolutely fantastic. <laughs> Um, but I would say those are some women that I, I do look up to and I, uh, a bit of myself, I, I would like to, to see some of um, myself in them and, and hopefully I can, um, you know, maybe walk in their footsteps in that they are leaders in their communities and they, they do really amazing things for so many. So what is next for you? Um, I know you're working with CBS as well as working with NASA. You must have a very, very busy schedule. Can you tell us? plans for the future. Yes, I'm, I'm delighted to, to be able to share that I am, for the first time, I'm in the works creating um, my own company. Uh, we are going to be launching later this year, but uh, last year during the pandemic, it's something that I've always wanted to do is uh, own my own technology company. And so since last year, I've been um, getting the, the, I've been getting everything uh, going with that. And in addition to being on Mission Unstoppable with CBS and um, working with NASA, with space app, with NASA's International Space App Challenge, um, and the advocacy that I do for women in STEM, um, I, I will be launching a, um, a technology company um, later this year. So I'm really excited about that. Wow, that's incredible! And can you tell us what a little bit about what that is, or is it secret right now, or what what's happening there? <laughs> Not secret. Um, it's going to be a technology production company. Uh, the intention is to continue to share more stories for women and also continue to be a science communicator. Uh, I think that the more we're able to uh, communicate science, technology, engineering, and math, I think it's very important to be able to uh, share the stories of people that are underrepresented in STEM industry, and then also be able to communicate science on a wider scale to people who may not necessarily have, would have been the targets of uh, science communication. And so this company will be about bringing uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, and stories of people that work in STEM to uh, non-typical audiences. So more women, uh, more people of color, and more young people, more students and children so that is the goal of this company sounds like a great idea and a real gap in the market sounds like harpo productions but with science <laughs> well you know that's kind of that's i mean she inspires me maybe one day it'll get that big <laughs> yeah, well hopefully hopefully finola o'reilly in conversation on the diplomatic pouch so that's fascinating her idea for a production company dealing in the stories of women in stem a real gap in the market there, John. Indeed. I think Fanula's star is on the rise and we'll be hearing a lot more about her in the months and years to come. She's one to watch. Joining us on the next episode of the podcast will be Margaret Brennan, moderator of CBS's Face the Nation. Looking forward to that interview. Looking forward to it indeed. That's it from us for now. 
Take care. Goodbye.